Welcome everyone to Seek Go Create. This is your host, Tim Winders. This is where we redefine success in leadership, business, and ministry. We've got such a great conversation today. I'm excited about talking, uh, talking to our guests about vision and copywriting and messaging and marketing. Anyone that's been around me knows that I really, really love all of those conversations. So we're going to have fun with that. In just a moment, I'll get to her. I do want to ask, as I always do, please connect with us outside of just the podcast or the YouTube channel, or if you're watching this on one of our social channels, please, if you're on one of the social social channels, jump down and say hello, make comments, ask questions, especially if you're on YouTube, you could do that. If you're listening via podcast, though, or anywhere else for that matter, please go to our website, seekgocreate.com. That's seekgocreate.com. And give us your best email address. We've got some cool stuff we'll get out to you and we'll keep you updated on all that's happening with the channel Seek, Go, Create. And what we really love to do is just continue the dialogue because this is a cool conversation that we're going to have with myself and Jennifer, our guest. But we also like to continue the dialogue with you. So join in, join in and do that by getting us your best email address. Let me get to uh, this introduction. I'll tell you that when I do my research for our guest, I I usually take about an hour, two hours, but I kind of went down a rabbit hole with our guest today because there was so much that I could research with, by watching videos and and hearing her speak at events and and just she's got so many areas that we can discuss. Jennifer Hootie is our guest today, and she's the founder and CEO of Conscious Copy and Company, one of the top copywriting companies in the digital marketing world. And it is where they help entrepreneurs communicate their vision and message in a way that inspires people to take action. And there is so much more that I could have gone into on her bio. I am going to pause it there, though, and just welcome Jennifer to Seek Go Create. Jennifer, welcome. Mm, thanks so much for having me, Tim. Yes, great to have you here. And you do, you've got a massive bio, so I hope I didn't shortchange you at all. But the first question <laughs> I really like to ask is, Jennifer, if we just bump into each other somewhere, either virtually or real world, hopefully we could do that in the near future. And I say, Jennifer, mm-hmm. what do you do? What do you tell people when someone asks you that question? Yeah, it's a interesting question. And I love this question because we help entrepreneurs do something very similar um that ultimately what i do is uh help entrepreneurs and business owners really come up with their unique message um, that stands out in the marketplace but also reflects who they are at their core and make sure that that message and their vision that's infused into that message Uh, inspires the right people to take action. So their ideal clients to open up their emails, to click their emails, to buy uh, their products or services, sign up for calls. And we do that in a really unique way of making sure that we first help entrepreneurs get clear of what their vision is. So they're coming from their vision in their message. uh, And then helping them to come up with that unique message to them and then really writing a copy that connects and converts. Yeah, that's okay. There was so much there. Every time I ask that question, it kind of gets me going on all these tangents from the questions that I had written out. So 
thank you for that. And I also want to warn you, I'm, I'm a note taker, so I'm taking notes here. So if I'm looking down, I'm kind of writing and, and mm -hmm. here's my first question. I've got to ask this. If it sounds a little snarky, I apologize right up front, but I've noticed this with myself and I wonder if you see this at all. Are you better at helping other people do this than you are at defining it for yourself? Or are you just good at it all the way around? Because I can actually help others mm. do it better than myself. Is that a fair question? That's a great question. Yeah, one of, one of the terms that I heard several years ago, I can't remember who I originally heard this from, but it was, it's hard to see the message when you're the one in the bottle. And that is so common. And one of the biggest things that our clients run into where they like, of course they know what they do, but then they stumble on the question of how to really communicate it. Uh, for myself, I feel like sometimes I will waver between the two sides. So uh, at the core, it's, it's always been really important for me to make sure that I'm the one creating our message for our company and our vision and and I still, though, get support from my team members, though, um, the copywriters on our team and um, the, the team members that are trained in marketing to just help me see my blind spots or see the areas where I'm just assuming that people know what I'm talking about or the words that I'm using. So I think it's a combination. I, I love creating it for my uh, for ourselves. Like one of my favorite things is digging into um, our, our own messaging. Um, and I definitely need support from my team members as well. <laughs> I think it takes a big person to admit that, doesn't it? Don't you think? <laughs> and, and, yeah. and listen, for those of us that are in the business of helping others, I, I think that we're not being true to ourselves. We're going to be talking about words like conscious copy and, and some of the mm -hmm. things you have as foundational principles of your company in just a moment. But if, if we were to get on a, uh, on this conversation and say, we've got it all figured out. We're here to help you. To me, there's disconnects there. I mm -hmm. mean, I am, I'm not, uh, I will never ask a, a female their age. I'm 57 years old. And I'll tell you, my mm -hmm. wife and I have been married 32 years. And there's not many days go by that we sat down and say, you know what, what were we created for? What's our purpose? What is our vision and mission today? Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and because I know I am still working on figuring it out. And and it seems like you sort of admitted that yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. W one of the, one of the things I share a lot um, in our, in our programs and just on podcasts and stages is that as entrepreneurs, it's important for us to understand that our message is a living, breathing organism mm -hmm. and it evolves over time because we're evolving and um whether that's our message changing and expanding, uh, if it's our audience and our ideal client who is evolving and changing, not only the who it is that we're speaking to, but also where are they at in, in their journey, in their world. For example, um, you know, at the beginning of 2020, um, there was a lot of things that shifted. And one of the biggest things I shared is, okay, you may have, you still may have the same kind of client that you want to help, but what, what current situations are going in and what motivates them has completely shifted. So if you're using terms like, you know, uh, in, in beginning of March, April of 2020, you're helping entrepreneurs and you're using terms like 
you know, scale and 10 X and more kind of these like aspirational things, you got to flip that into certainty, into safety, into control, uh, into cash flow, because that person is now focused on this. And then also our offers evolve over time too. Um, whether it is, you know, the actual deliverables of our offer or how we serve our clients and all of those really our message, our audience and our offers is, is the common, those three, um, parts is our core message. And so it's always evolving. My message is always all evolving. Um, we created a new website recently and I tell the story and joke how I went through a little mini identity crisis because I was like, okay, I want to create this new message that is an expression of who we are and what we've created and accomplished as a company. But even more importantly, who are we becoming? so that we can grow into this message as well. Um, and so it, I believe it takes constant checking in with ourselves uh, around it. You know, all right, so I just wrote down message, audience and offers, and I wanna come back to that. But one of the things I love to do, because I, I think you and I, right before we clicked on the record here, we, we basically said something to the effect, I think you asked, who's the audience? And I gave you a profile that I believe is the audience. Mm -hmm. But there's so many things going on with the audience. And, and you know, like you just mentioned, the last 12 months-ish at the time we were recording it, the audience may be the same, but their mindset may have changed. You know, mm -hmm. we have things going on in the world. I come from a background, I think I shared this when we started, that I did a lot of training under like the Dan Kennedys of the world. And and it was a very strong, I'll use this word, abrasive marketing message. Mm -hmm. And it really fit my generation and my personality. But that doesn't play as well anymore, even though the mechanisms and all the same. I, can you talk just briefly about... I don't even know if the word is evolution of marketing or, or just history mm -hmm. of marketing. I mean, you know, you know, you go back to John Carlton, you go back to so many of the big names and some of the people may or may not know these people. Okay. If they're not marketing mm -hmm. junkies, but talk a little bit about the evolution, evolution, big picture of marketing before we get down to some nuts and bolts and some things that I think will be practical tips for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's such a great question. Um, Cause if we look back to, some of the most uh, memorable marketers and advertisers that if you, if you ask any marketer in today's day and age, like who did you study from? If they say names like uh, David Ogilvy and Eugene Schwartz and Gary Halbert, these are very common, kind of they're like the grandfathers of advertising back in some of them even the 1920s, 1930s. But if you look at advertising, uh, in that uh, era, it was one way. It was a one way conversation where oftentimes um, they were uh, buying up news uh, newspaper ads um, or sending direct mail. And there are some really important things to learn from those advertisers and, and copywriters that are the grandfathers, which is they really, really understood persuasion. Uh, persuasion in print is a definition of copy. And they, they understood some key fundamentals around 
human behavior and human psychology and what gets humans to make decisions. So there's, there's some really great um, lessons there that we can take. However, fast forward to 2020 and 2021 and beyond, uh, we're now, we now have mediums like social media and email um, where it isn't a one-on-one conversation, it is a dialogue and more than ever, it's a relationship and consumers bs meters are through the roof Mm. Uh, and now more than ever they're really craving to connect with real people and real brands they're a lot more hesitant to fall into the trap of the just persuasive uh mind control as marketing and uh i believe there's a stat that said that 79.7 percent of consumers said that authenticity is one of a brand and a company is one of the most important parts of their decision-making process. So knowing that um, some of the biggest things that I have seen shift is um, not treating uh, customers or prospects like simply a number or someone who you're just sending a direct mail piece to um, and looking at the data and the numbers only um, because that, that won't work anymore. It's so much more important to infuse authenticity, integrity um, into marketing and really understand now more than ever, it is relationship-based and a long game. Yeah. All right. Oh, there was so much you said there that I love. We're going to have so much fun with this conversation because my mind is triggering on so many things that I believe you can bring value to me and all that I'm doing and then therefore our our listener. Mm-hmm. I have kind of gone on a journey as a businessman, entrepreneur, man of faith, that there was a period of time in my life. I'm a child of the 80s, so we could admit this. There's people listening in and they'll relate to this, um, where it was all about the dollar bill creating success. We were going to go after it. We were going to make it happen. And we were learning things like neuro-linguistic programming, power persuasion, all of those things. And I'll tell you that over time, as I, my heart was softened, sort of like the Grinch, but um, anyway, for spiritual reasons, whatever, <laughs> um, that then all of a sudden there's this battle that goes on because mm-hmm. Jennifer, I can, with my tone, with words, I can cross over the line from persuasion to manipulation. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess what I would love, I'm opening myself up for you to share mm-hmm. with me and the audience, how do we gauge that and where does that cross over? And I know we're, we're skirting the conscious copy mm-hmm. message, great. but we're going to dive yes. deeper into it with technique because, because I think the philosophy, the mindset is almost as important before we start talking about, you know, even the message yes. and the marketing. So I am opening myself up, teach me what I should know Mm -hmm. about that. Every time I want to go back Mm -hmm. and just repeat myself over and over until someone (laughs) submits to the sale, tell me, tell me what I'm, tell me what I need to think through there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, I love that you brought this up because this is, especially for business owners and entrepreneurs that are really, um, it, it really matters to you to make sure that you're coming from the right place and it's not just about the sale. Um, and I do see that there's kind of like a, a spectrum um, on the sales and marketing 
uh, uh, line where on one side of things it is, I call it the internet marketery strategy of the, the manipulation and persuasion. And um, it just kind of feels gross by the time you read it, like you're, you're like falling into the trap, but you know that it just doesn't feel right. And then on the other end of the spectrum, it is, you know, people who they want to do so much good and they want to help. They don't want to be salesy. And uh, as a result, there's a whole lot of people that are like, oh, this is such good stuff, but they're not taking action and they're not buying. And a big part of, you know, even my own journey was like, okay, how, where do I find this middle ground where I feel like I can show up in service, show up as a giver, knowing that the law of karma is at play. Um, so whether it's a now or a not now um, in the buyer journey, I'm depositing goodwill into uh, my audience. And on the flip side, that I'm doing everything that I can to make sure that if this is the right decision for someone, they're going to step into it. Mm -hmm. And so more than anything, it is really important to start with the intention and the come from. Where are we coming from when we're creating a marketing campaign or going into a sales call? And one of the biggest um, shifts and commitments for me that has opened me up to, uh, you know, just leaning in and being able to sell with integrity is my commitment is I want everyone who is, if this is the best and highest decision for someone, that they say yes. And that's my commitment. It's not to get a sale. It's not just for someone to buy. It's if this is in their highest and best for them to step into this decision, how can I provide them all of the information that they need to be uh, comfortable and confident with that de decision and help them get their uh, old patterns or old ways of being out of the way and get me out of the way so they can make this empowered decision. And that's where I think we need to come from uh, when we're crafting sales and marketing. It's not like, okay, how do we just get more sales? It's how do we get more people who this can really help to say yes? Yeah, I, and that's very helpful. And I, I don't have to do it as much as I used to, but I have to constantly remind myself. I guess mm -hmm. that's a great reason to have someone like you and your team on board to make sure that there is um, alignment between values and what you're trying to do. And then also asking for the sale. I mean, there are people, I know there are people listening in because we have a lot of people in ministry and other places like that, that they don't ever ask for the sale. And that's important too, right? Mm, so important. Yeah. And, and it's also, it's detaching too from the outcome of the invitation. One of my uh, mentors that I've studied with now for uh, a few years she is a former minister and her name's Mary Morrissey. And uh, she is, uh, I just have learned so much from her over the years and they run a, a very successful business. Uh, now her and her entire family. And one of my favorite things that I've learned from her that she shares at the beginning of her offers um, at her events is she says, I want you to know that uh, this is a fee no offer, which is feel invited not obligated. Mm. 
And I really, she's like, but take the time to really feel this invitation right now and know that there's no obligation, but feel it. And if it's, you know, in your heart, in your heart area, yes. And then there's stories in your mind. I'm going to invite you to really lean in and check in with your heart. And so that is something that, um, just another perspective shift that's really helped me to also lean into, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to keep making that offer and, and preface it with non-attachment, like, but I'm, I'm going to make it so that people know that they're invited. Yeah, that's all right. That's so good. All right. I, I want to go deeper into some vision and message and audience and I want us to do some practical things. I want to talk about your team. But before I do that, I'm going to do a pivot because mm-hmm. I want to I want to get to know Jennifer just a little bit more because I think mm-hmm. it's great to understand. I think we learn more when we kind of know people's paradigms, their backgrounds and all. So, um, mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit. You mentioned Journey earlier and some people that have mentored you. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you've come to be this person that has the expertise and, and the business and companies that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. Um, I'm so grateful uh, for just being around entrepreneurship my whole life. Um, but when I was, uh, when I graduated from high school, uh, I moved from Saskatchewan, Canada to Arizona to go to business school, uh, at Arizona state university. And what was that like? Um, what was that like going from Canada <laughs> to Arizona? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, aside from the complete shock and weather, which is one of the main reasons why I went, um, I'll never forget. So the town that I grew up in, in Saskatchewan, Canada, with 500 people. Okay. And I literally, when I was uh, a, a young kid, I brought my pet Buffalo to school for show and tell. Like, so that's like the context. And then when I went to Arizona state university, my very first uh, lecture hall, I walk in and there's 500 people. And I'm like, this is as many people as my town. Um, and Arizona state being the largest university at that time um, in the U S of a hundred thousand kids. So it was definitely a shock, um, a, a very big shock. Um, but a big part of you know my my journey too was growing up in an entrepreneurial family. I I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, and I did want to just go go somewhere where I could really recreate myself and my life exactly how I wanted and really show myself that I could make it. Um, Later on, did I learn that a big part of it, you know, was starting my first businesses was proving to my family because I was the only one um, that chose not to be part of the family business. And so there was so much hunger and desire to succeed um, in, in starting my first business in college. And so when I was in college, um, I, mentored with um, a well-known speaker and businessman named Harvey McKay. Uh, He actually wrote the book, Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive. And it was just a wild chain of events of how um, he became my mentor. Um, But he actually spoke, uh, he would speak, he's a Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author. He would speak at uh, events all over. And I went to one of the events to support him 
and it happened to be a Brendan Bouchard event uh, on online marketing. And that uh, event just completely opened up my world to what was possible and um, gave me the idea for my first business that I started in the fitness space. Um, so when I came back from that event, uh, I was still in college and I basically had this timeline of about 18 months where I wanted to make sure that I um, started, uh, started a business, bootstrapped it. And uh, I created uh, an online program called the Strong Mind Sexy Body Blueprint. And that's a great, uh, it was that's a great name. That's a great name. You're going to get some it good. A good it's yeah, a good name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I uh, built out this online program, was following um, some different teachings and trainings that I was learning online of how to start an, an online business. Um, and I just, I poured months and months into perfecting the videos and the PDFs and creating this like amazing online program that I was so, so proud of because um, I was a group fitness instructor and personal trainer at the time. So I took what I learned um, you know, in that and turned it into the online program. But my marketing was pretty much an afterthought. So I just figured, oh yeah, um, like build it and they will come. Um, and so the week before my launch of my online program, you know, I didn't really have an email list, wasn't creating any um, content marketing, uh, and then just put it out into the world and assumed that people were going to find me. They were going to find my webpage and start buying like crazy. But that didn't happen. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah. like many others, great idea, great product, mm -hmm. great name. I mean, that's, that name has just great stuff written all over it, but obviously didn't get the results. Didn't get, you know, one of the things that is kind of a theme here is redefining success. And we talk mm -hmm. about events and things in life. Everything in me wants to ask about you bringing the Buffalo to school. <laughs> but but the better question is, what did you learn and change from product release that I, I'm assuming you're you're saying that was a failure or or did it just not go mm. as planned? What what are you calling that experience? Yeah. Oh, well, it was it was one of the greatest lessons that I could have learned early on, um, and I wouldn't consider it. Mm, I, I mean, I was very disappointed reflecting back on it. Now I wouldn't consider it a failure. I think and during the time I definitely did. Um, but what I immediately started thinking is, okay, maybe it's the course. And I was so close to scrapping the entire course that I had um, spent thousands of dollars on months of building up. And I was about to scrap that uh, until I went for a walk one day and I found a podcast. It was two people just like this um, talking about direct response marketing, which was a new concept to me. And one of the hosts said a quote by uh, one of my favorite copywriters now of all time, Robert Collahare. Um, and he said, you need to enter the conversation going on in your prospect's mind. 
And it was like a light bulb moment for me as I was hearing the two of them talk about this idea of direct response copywriting and making sure that you're focused on who your ideal client is, communicating to them in their language, providing value and education up front. They're, and they're like, you know, there's an, there's an art and a science to actually getting people to buy. And I was just like, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. And I was, it, it was, it was one of the most, uh, it was a defining moment for me because I felt so empowered to then actually recognize, oh, wow, there's very specific things that I could do to make sure this gets in the hands of the right people. Um, and so I started studying different books and online programs, but very similar to many entrepreneurs, like we were just talking about, I had these reservations around selling. Hmm. And uh, another big shift for me though, was around education-based marketing and um, how it, the more value that we provide up front in our marketing, um, whether it's through um, email, and one of my favorites has been, you know, emails, but emails or videos, then the more that it's, it, it becomes like this beautiful invitation because we're, we're putting um, chips kind of in the, uh, on the table and, and serving our audience. So then when we want to then make an invite into our programs, it just feels a lot more expansive. So that's what I started doing. And uh, my next launch that I did for that program, I had taken some of the tools that I learned and I had 300 people on my email list at that point, a couple months later. <laughs> and I remember I, I sent out a series. I had four emails queued up, but it only took three emails. And I sold out uh, my entire program of thir uh, 30 spots at $147 um, in less than 48 hours. And I remember just looking at my email and seeing that there was $4,410 right there. And I was in awe. Like I was still in college at that time. And I was like, this is my ticket. Like, I just got to keep learning how to do this more. Um, and so that was a, a huge shift for me. So was that, I was, I was wanting to kind of do my hands here. Yoo-hoo. It's like, man, look at those sales coming in. You know, sometimes we go through struggles and then we have, victories that really can, I don't even know if define us, but the way you spoke about that, um, it seems like that was very uh, pivotal, I guess, in your journey along the way. There was something I read, and I don't know if I need to ask this now, I'm just going to go ahead because it is what it is. You talked about building your businesses and having multiple companies up to, I think, the age of 27, but you also talked about some of the things you had to overcome. And you talked about copywriting, you talked about your vocabulary, you talked about dyslexia mm -hmm. and other things. How, how challenging was it to move into an area of copywriting? and words with those backgrounds? Because many people would say you got to have a great vocabulary. You got to really be able to, to, you know, put pieces together. So how, how critical was that? Or did, or was it something that drove you to just overcome? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I grow, grew up partially dyslexic. I still can't spell <laughs> very well at all. I can't spell the word guarantee. I have like a fifth grade vocabulary. Um, 
and at that point in time, like I was so committed to just making my business work. And as soon as I learned that, okay, if I want to really uh, succeed here, I got to learn how to market. And in order to learn how to market, I got to learn how to write copy. And so it was just like a uh, kind of get over, get over myself, get over my limitations because um, my vision that I had mattered more. Uh, to me than those limitations. Um, but it's still been something that's, uh, I, gosh, I think so, is so funny because I get the question a lot of people being like, you know, after, after that business and, and gaining a lot of momentum there um, with my fitness business, graduating, being able to step into uh, it, there was, I didn't start, I didn't really enjoy the, uh, the industry as much and I realized I was just I loved the marketing the more that I was practicing it the more that I was gaining momentum and seeing the success and the data and and the relationship building that I started have um, other people in my industry reaching out to me asking me to help them write you know come up with some of their marketing campaigns write copy for them and that was like, it was one thing to create my own, but then it was like, oh my gosh, you know, people want me to write for them. I can hardly spell. Um, that took some overcoming. And then, you know, within six months of me starting to write copy for um, some people, I was getting asked by um, people that I literally had read books, like learning copy or marketing from them, like people like Joe Polish and Dean Graziosi and Eben Pagan and some others and um, them seeing my work and saying, hey, you know, how about you write a campaign for us? Let's see what you got. And that was like, oh my gosh, okay. Uh, but again, it was, I, I've always looked at it as, okay, God gives me these opportunities and then it's up to me to build the skills and the capabilities to grow into it. And so that's how I've always looked at this skill, especially. And I do believe that, uh, you know, my uh, my spelling and my grammar and all that is actually, or it's a superpower now because one of the, the reasons why um, I have become quite good at copy is because um, we've, we found across the board, most of society reads at about a fifth grade uh, level. And that's about how, how much I spell at. And, um, but the, the key of that is simplicity and, um, I've just learned how to really simplify complicated concepts um, and craft them in that way. So I have, you know, really looked at it as my superpower. Yeah. And, and what's cool about it is, is any of our, our superpower that's overused can become a weakness and we can take weaknesses and make them superpowers. And it sounds as if you have done that. Is, is this what you were created to do? Is this your like purpose um, copywriting. Well, is it copywriting? Writing? writing. Is it vision messaging? I mean, I'm going to ask more mm. details here shortly. Mm -hmm. Is it yeah. all of that? What were you created to do? The reason this is important, I'm actually mm. working on a solo episode right now and I'm talking about what were you created to do? So I'm just kind of, that's kind of mm. rolling in my head. Mm -hmm. And as you were speaking, I was yeah. like going, the way she speaks, I could tell the tone of your voice kind of went up a little bit. It just seems mm. like foundation is writing, but the vision messaging and all that kind of feeds into it. Yes or no? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Spot on. 
Yeah. So um, another kind of side story was uh, when I started off as a copywriter um, uh, in 2015, started Conscious Copy and Co. Um, I had this just, again, another total synchronicity of meeting um, someone who has now become one of my, my dearest, dearest friends, mentors, clients, um, Joe Polish. And mm -hmm. he is uh, the founder uh, at Genius Network and I love marketing. He's kind of known as one of the uh, leaders in online marketing. And when I uh, met him back in 2014 or 15, he, I had already been copywriting and he was asking me some different questions about it, but I'll never forget. He was like, if you really want to write the ticket to your own future, continue to master copywriting. Because once you master copywriting and you know how to sell in print, you can sell anything that really matters to you. And, and as you're on your journey, you'll know how to bring things into market and sell them. And I took that advice <laughs> completely and you know really doubled down on the skill but I even remember back in 2015 being like this isn't like copywriting specifically has never felt like my calling but it's felt like a really important skill that I, I feel God said hey learn this and and learn it and fully commit yourself to it show up as if this is your purpose and I promise that when it's time I'm going to show you how this all fits together. And so I really doubled down on it. And over the last several years, um, I, um, one, of, one of the components that we help entrepreneurs with um, is a process called the vivid vision. And we help them in getting really clear of what their three-year vivid vision is, which is a concept by Cameron Harold. And, um, and then we help them write it and craft it as if it's already happened. And a, it's kind of like your sales page for your future. Mm. And we've helped hundreds about, uh, gosh, at this point, almost 300 entrepreneurs one-on-one uh, -on -one with this process and then thousands through our workshops and, and trainings. And I kind of feel like it's my two, like the two sides coming together now, which is vision, which feels like a big, you know, helping um, entrepreneurs clarify and communicate their vision feels like a big part of my purpose right now. And, and then the copy and the messaging side, which is the clarity and being able to communicate it because the communication is the bridge. Um, you know, if we have a vision in our mind, that vision can only go so far as our ability to communicate it and enroll others into it. So that's how I'm seeing it all come together now of that purpose with that skill um, together. Yeah, I, I, I love that because I know my journey has been this way. I think many people's journey is this way. They, they go through creating a business or doing something and they say something to the effect of we need some marketing. Let's bring someone on that can do some that marketing jujitsu stuff, yeah. you know, copy or whatever. Yes. But then also there's this side of it that and I'm this is a question, but I'm going to rant just a minute before I ask the yeah. question that it is very difficult to know what 
the marketing needs to look like if you don't know who you are, what your vision is, mission, all of those things. Mm-hmm. How, and I don't know if you know the percentages or whatever, because I know you've got funnels that bring people in in different areas, but how many people come to you with the thought of just write us a good direct response, you know, social <laughs> media campaign, emails, whatever, and we just want that versus people that say, you know what, I need to define who I am and what we're doing. What, I mean, do you have a ratio of people that come to you one versus the other? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, I feel like you're uh, entering the conversations that have been in my mind. Good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that was, uh, I would say 80%, if not higher of people come originally saying uh, they just, you know, want the, the email, the sales page, the landing page. And then our team would recognize that they weren't clear of their vision or their message or their strategy. And so for a very long time um, in my business, uh, we, we used to run an agency, meaning we were writing the copy for our clients and a big part of the process, which was not what they came for, but what they needed was in order for us to craft an email campaign or a sales page or a webinar, I wanted to really, or we needed to understand like, okay, where are you ultimately headed? Like, where is the company going? What is the brand message? Who is the audience? What are the offers? How do we communicate this at the core what is the strategy? Okay, now we can write the copy. The copy is actually step five uh, when they came in thinking it was step one. And so for years, we've been doing, you know, these other components. And I just knew that in order for us to ultimately be successful with the copy, we we had to include um, the vision and the message. Right, because of, I mean, to me, it's often more frustrating trying to, I call it tactical, you know, just, you know, where are we going to put the message? What are we going to say without having the, I guess, the real message behind it? Um, mm-hmm. To me, all of this fits together in some things you've said. I'm going to kind of look at my notes here. And what I want to start moving into are some real, I want to, I want to call them practical, but Maybe they're also mindset tips for the person listening going, okay, what can I really take from this? And then as we wrap up, I'm going to tell people how they can connect with you. And I know you've got events and things like that that they could get involved with. But I think one of the best things I heard you say was you need to get inside the head of the person that's going to be reading. That falls under the know your audience, which mm-hmm. which also then falls under the vision. So So how? I'm going to ask a very, hopefully, <laughs> mm-hmm. how to, how do we yes. get in the head of the person that's going to be reading or engaging or interacting with us and our business, our company, our ministry, whatever it is we're trying to share as a message. How do we get in their head? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is honestly one of my favorite questions um, because I, oh, it is, it is the most important question to really ask and and then be able to answer 
uh, for your business because understanding your ideal client is and and how they communicate and what matters most to them is what's ultimately going to be the difference between successful marketing that converts and unsuccessful marketing that doesn't convert. And the first place to start is really assessing who is your ideal client, who is the person that you do want to attract in. The answer is not everybody. <laughs> uh, there is that saying, I can't remember again who quoted it, but um, if you try to be everything to everybody, you're going to be nothing to no one. And so it's so important to really focus in on who that person is. Um, not just their demographics, though, of like, okay, are they male or female? Where do they live? What are their hobbies? What is their income? But rather, um, understanding their psychographics. And ultimately, you want to be able to answer three main questions around this. The very first one is, what is their current situation in the area that you can really help them with? So their current situation would be like paint, paint the actual picture of what's going on in their world, their challenges, their frustrations, their pain points, uh, and specifically in their language. How are they saying it? This is a really important piece. Not how are you hearing it, which most uh, people will get in the trap of doing. And I'll share with you how, you know, how do you find out how they say it in a moment. But this is such an important piece. So if someone comes in and, you know, you help them in the health, you're, you're in the health space and they say, you know, my tummy is uh, bloated all the time. I'm breaking out. I'm exhausted. I'm irritable. Um, and you believe it's a gut health issue. You don't write down here in current situation, gut health issue, because if they're not saying that, then they may not even know that that's their issue. You got to say it exactly in their language, how they're saying it, exhausted, irritable, you know, um, um, bloated. This, this is so important and I'll weave in on how this all comes together in a moment. So that's the first one, current situation. The, the second area is actually kind of on the other side of that, which is for this ideal client, what is their, their ultimate desire or destination that they want to get to? So if you were to paint the picture of them living their, their vision, in this area that you can help them with, what does that really look like? If, you know, if you're helping leaders, um, does that look like them really um, building a team that is um, self-managing and um, autonomous and can make decisions that are aligned to the core values and the vision of the business so that the leader can really um, be freed up to do creative, strategic, bigger thinking projects or for them to be able to take time off and know that the business is going to continue to run even without them, or that um, you know they uh, their their team is bringing ideas and strategies um, to the table that they're also implementing and executing on and seeing the to the finish line. Like those may be some specific things that the leader would envision. Oh, if that happens, like I'd write a check to anyone who can make that happen, right? So that's the second one. The third, the third one um, is right in the middle and it's what are their fears and objections? Um, and these are the fears and objections that are currently getting in the way of where they are to where they wanna go. So 
what are the stories or beliefs that they have around how, why they haven't been able to get what they wanted so far. Um, say in the leadership example, they may think, you know, uh, I don't have the right team. I can't uh, afford hiring really high quality people. All the good high quality people are taken, um, et cetera. So that's kind of at the core, those three questions, current situation, um, desires, destination, fears and objections. The way in which you find all of this out, um, the, the magic place that you go is honestly by asking them. Um, so if you have access to your ideal client, uh, one of the best places is on your sales calls. If you are having sales calls with people um, or you're having simple just conversations with people who you'd think, oh, that's definitely an ideal client what are they saying in these areas and then write it down exactly how they say it in their exact language um if you can't uh, have one-on-one -on -one conversations to them where are they hanging out online where they may be having conversations like this in facebook groups or forums um, that you can pull that directly but it's really important to make sure that you have that exact language and you're taking it from your ideal client yeah how, how often do you have people come to you and you bring up something like this about how important it is. And they go, I have no idea about my ideal person, what they're going through. Does it concern you at all when you've got business person or leader or <laughs> head of an organization when they don't really know their end user at all? <laughs> yes, yes and no. It's so okay. <laughs> oftentimes with, with our idea, like with, with the clients that'll come in to us, they'll if they don't have the answer to these questions the, the types of people that we work with they have a proven product or service so like they already have sales people they're just maybe not tracking it so there's like a sense of we have all the ingredients we just don't know the recipe um and so that's where it's really easy for our team to go in and kind of guide them and be like okay here's how we're going to pull this all together um, if it's someone who's kind of early on in their business and they don't have the answers to these questions, the first place I recommend that they go is literally asking their, uh, making a list of people who they think are their ideal clients, asking them if they would be open to being interviewed for about 20 minutes so they can ask these questions. And then on the tail end of that, um, offering something of a free value to that person for being open to being interviewed. Like if they're in um, the business space, okay, I'll interview you for 20 minutes. And then for 30 minutes, I, I'll give you a 30 minute consult on whatever you need help with um, as a thank you for being interviewed and document all of those questions. That's exactly how I started in the copywriting space um, was just doing that. Yeah. And so that's what I'd recommend right. for places to start. So Jennifer, this is so good. And let me tell you why I don't, if I need to send you a check or some money, that's fine. But <laughs> you just gave me something that's going mm -hmm. to cause me to adjust a strategy that I was about to have in place. There's mm -hmm. uh, there's an augmented reality technology that's being used overseas that they're introducing in the United States. It's in the real estate space. I can't give any more information about it right now. But one of the things we were going to do is we were going to just have a salesperson begin making calls to try to mm. sell it to the person. 
we're going to alter that and change it to an interview. We're going to ask. And the, the cool thing is, this is probably an easy sell product, but I really want data because we're probably going to be doing some mail outs. We're probably going to be doing some things. So you just helped me immensely. Thank you so much because mm -hmm. I'm going to shift that. I mean, I love questions, surveys, interviews just to gather data. Do you guys recommend that a good bit? That's a, yeah, another good question. And I always say it depends. So it really depends on um, if the people that you're sending the survey out to are actually your ideal clients. Mm. That's the first thing, because um, sometimes people will fill out or send out surveys and the person who's actually going to buy isn't the one that's filling out that survey. So that's a really important piece. Um, the second piece around that too is um, sometimes how people, how people are writing and filling out a survey is slightly different than how they would actually communicate it in their mind. And there's mm -hmm. something, again, it's, it's like a strategy that may seem slow or non-leveraged to start by actually interviewing them. But long-term you can probe and kind of get a couple layers deeper into their thinking around what's really their fear or objection because oftentimes what it really, what it is and what it really is, is different. We want to find like, what is it really? So we can infuse that into the copy. Yeah. Um, another part about that strategy with the 20, like say the 20 minute interview and then the 30 minute strategy uh, session that you would offer on the back end is it is really important to frame it um, and, and, and also deliver on this of saying, this is genuinely just a 20 minute interview and then 30 minute strategy. I'm not going to sell you on this to be clear. This isn't like a sales call in disguise, but uh, like 80% of the time by the end of those calls, because the person didn't feel sold and you gave them so much value, they'll naturally be like, okay, but how do you work? And in that moment, it's really important to just create a clear container of like, Hey, I want you to know that this wasn't a sales call. If you want to learn more about it, we can either um, continue the conversation right now and kind of close up what we just discussed and, and now open up a new conversation or reschedule a call to go further into this. But I just really want you to know that like the intention was not a sales call because um, that can feel uh, gross, you know, yeah. if someone's like, and, it's free and then surprise, no, it's not. And that's the integrity thing that we talked about earlier. There's, you know, flipping the switch, manipulation goes from persuasion to manipulation or data gathering mm -hmm. to now all of a sudden putting a dollar bill on the conversation. That's good. I, I do in the, in the world that we're in today, I love asking people like, like you, this question, social media, and let's just say algorithms, social media and algorithms, those go hand in hand in my book. Some people don't put algorithms in with the social media, but that's really what they are. They have so much information and data. Does it help us with some of these things we're talking about, or can it fake us out and cause issues for us when we're trying to identify our audience, what's going through their head, their fears, objections, their desires? Because sometimes I think it's good. It's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on that? The, uh, the kind of the social media helping us or the, the algorithms helping us or not? Yeah, either. I mean, I think I've been around some business people or leaders or people that they're gauging all that they're doing on their social media channels 
and I think it's faking them out some. That's I don't want to give my mm. I don't want to put that answer in your mind. But I also know I've got clients I work with that we look at our pixels, we look at what's going on, visits to our website and track it. And it mm. gives us some pretty good information. I guess I'm just wanting to ask you, yeah. you know, a blessing or a curse, social media. I know that's pretty broad, mm. but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I feel like that there's two, I got two answers. One is um, from the perspective of like algorithms and really being able to read the data. I think that there's so many blessings in that of just like the instant feedback that you can get from people on social media, which is amazing. Um, And similar to how you shared, it's so important for us to really be mindful of how are we reading that data though. Um, And similarly, like if, if, say, for example, we're looking at people who landed on a website and we see the number of hits and then the number of conversions. Sometimes we've got to ask several different questions though to make sure that we're interpreting the data correctly because it could be easy just to assume something that it's not. Um, and that's why like, I know people throw around the term testing all the time. Oh, you just got to test it. And, it, and it's true, it, testing can take time and effort, but even you know, when we'll run webinars, I will test something assuming that I understood the data correctly, make a tweak, and then conversions will drop. And then it's like, okay, well, that was, it clearly was something else that I misinterpreted the data with. Um, but then the second layer is with social media, I, I'm, I'm someone who, on, it's, it's so funny being in the digital marketing space, but I struggle with social media. Um, because I, it, again, it's like the blessing and the curse, um, where I think it's, there's so much power to it. Um, but a big part of my journey recently has been just really understanding, um, how do I want to make sure that social media is serving my life? Um, and f- I'm seeing a lot of really close friends who have huge followings. Um, and it, it kind of becomes like this golden jail cell. And so uh, I have actually found many different ways to really grow our business successfully without it. And so it's been this like pull for uh, about a year of like, oh, I don't want to fully take the plunge. And so I've been discovering like, how can I make it work where it's more of a blessing than a curse? Yeah, I love that because I've been on the same journey because it can literally (laughs) suck us in and especially with all the division and you know, politics and things like that. And I never get involved with that, just so you know. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I do. But it it (laughs) literally, you realize your mood, your mindset, everything. And I'm a mindset guy. I mean, I've been in leadership Mm -hmm. and personal development for 30 plus years. And in the last 12 months, realized I had to watch where I was going with thought process and things. So Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I actually believe that that is one of the biggest challenges of our times and that Mm. is balancing I can't hold my phone up but my wife and I speak about this all the time how do we balance these tools these great tools we have with Mm -hmm. what they can also do Uh, you know the the superpower kryptonite the you know the blessing or the curse or or the burden of the Mm -hmm. blessing whatever you want to call it so and people that are in it like we are I think we have to be even more mindful of it and then help other people through it. So Mm. I appreciate you sharing that. Jennifer, I've got two pages of notes here and every bullet item I've written 
we could probably continue talking about for another 20 or 30 minutes because there's so much here. And I knew I would enjoy this conversation, but I'm also wanting to be mindful of my time. I think what I would love to do for the last few minutes that we have here, Jennifer, is I would love to allow you to speak to the person that's listened to us for 45 or 50 minutes, however long it's been. And they're still kind of going, I don't know about my vision. I'm not real sure about my audience. I don't know about putting all these pieces together. I don't even know if I'm worthy to have a message to share. Can you just take a few minutes and just speak to them? If it's just encourage, I will ask you in just a moment for some resources to send people to. So you don't have to do that here, but just speak to the person that their head might be swimming from all this conversation where I bounced you around so much. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I, I feel like if you have any of those questions like coming up, um, for the person listening just around, oh gosh, this seems like, this seems like a lot of work or where do I even start? Um, do I have a message to share? What is my vision? Um, you're absolutely not alone. Um, the, all of these feelings are normal and uh, the, I guess, ruining, ruining like the punchline that may be coming later is like, they don't go away. Um, <laughs> the questions of like, what is my vision? What is my message? Um, but I, a, a big part of what I would share is starting to get into the practice of uh, visioning on a daily basis, like asking question prompts um, to yourself, like, okay, if uh, with my vision that I do want to create, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like as if it's already happened? Um, what kind of offers would excite me? What kind of, with my ideal client, like who would I love to work with? Uh, one of my favorite questions just to ask myself is what would I love? What would I love? Um, and building a business around what would I love? Uh, my mentor, Mary Morrissey, shared how, you know, or I, I first learned this from her. It's a universal um, concept, but how spirit speaks through love. And when we tune to that question, especially in times where we feel really overwhelmed, I feel like it kind of just cuts through the noise of like, well, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this and this and this, or these all, all of these people could be my ideal client, which one strategically makes sense. And just really understanding that like, life is precious. What would you love to do? Who would you love to serve? What kind of offers would you love to bring to the world? Understand it's a journey, but then um, the vision that you're building is actually one that you want versus one that you end up there and it feels like a golden jail cell. And you're like, well, I got it and I put all the work in it, but I don't love it. So um, not necessarily something very tactical, but keep asking that question and it'll guide you to exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah, I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I I wanted to I wanted to go into deeper something that you wrote out, but I'm just gonna speak to it here and then I'm gonna ask you to share where people can go to get more from you and your organization. The code that you have for your organization, conscious copy, are there are like five things here expansive growth, compassionate honesty, aligned action, 
full ownership and generate joy really, really spoke to me. I was like going, gosh, Mm -hmm. I I love that. So I don't know if you want to say something about that, as you mentioned Mm -hmm. how people can connect with you and where they can get more resources. But that to me probably draws in as many people to you as anything else. So share a little about Mm -hmm. that and then tell people how they can find you and get your info. Yes. I, oh, I, so one of the biggest lessons that I learned from a business uh, mentor was value-based decision-making around really if the, the idea that if my team members were only handed the business values and the vision and I couldn't say anything else, would they have kind of enough in a way to be able to make sure they're executing in a way that really represents the company. And so those five core values aren't just sweet things that we have on our website. Literally every single team meeting that we start with three or more people, we start by reading out the values. Um, Every single team member um, on our core team has the values memorized and everyone on the team can challenge each other in decisions that we make as a company if we're not living in our core values. Um, So they are so like near and dear to my heart. Um, So I I love that you pointed those out and uh, they're on our website. Did did Um, you, are those yours personal that you gave to the team Mm -hmm. or did the team help develop them? How did, how did you come up with those? Yeah. So uh, I came, they're, they're a combination of my, my own, you know, personal core values, um, but also over time, uh, you know, over, I still have a pretty new company. We've been around for six years and we had core values, but um, with these five, we really condensed them of seeing, okay, what were the, the core ones that really stood out that with the team members that had these, they're like in total alignment with the company. And so it was a, a combination of my own core values. The team, uh, we didn't come up with these on the own. I brought them to them and kind of had them like challenge them from there um, if there was any small refinements. But I've learned that it's important for me to really set the standard with them. So I've got to ask one more thing, and I know I'm going over the yeah. time I said, but I, I looked at the team you have on your website. And Mm -hmm. I was very impressed just by the way y'all did your write-ups. Hopefully, I mean, obviously those were really good, but it seems as if the values have attracted the type people that fit, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Oh my gosh. Like I, I, I have the most amazing team Um, and the values and our vivid vision are one of the top recruiting tools for our company too. I mean, our last, uh, our last position that we hired for a couple of weeks ago, we had over 150 people apply for the position. And the number one thing is that when we wrote, why are you applying? It was our vivid vision, where we're going and our values. And they said, our, your values just speak to me. So naturally we've attracted people like that. And then when people aren't living in the values, they know that there's, you know, there, there's a clear guardrails of, they're not showing up in the values. It's nothing personal, but they just can't be part of the team. Wow. Thank you. Thank and you I for... also think it's a gift for them too, for yeah. them to show up, you know, in, and learn how to then translate that into every other area of their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's excellent. Okay. Um, next, <laughs> next to last question. Um, 
if people wanted to connect with you, I know you've got more mm-hmm. resources. You've got events coming up that may or may not have mm-hmm. happened depending on when people are listening. But how can people connect with you? Where do you want to send them? We'll include it in the notes, but just verbally let people know where to go. Yeah. Yeah. The best place to go and uh, learn more is over at my website, which is consciouscopy.co. It's not .com. So consciouscopy.co. And over on there, you can even go check out the Start Here page, which really shows you around, has some really awesome free resources, depending on where you're at as a business owner, what you need the most help with. Um, We also have uh, really awesome workshops um, that may or not may not be coming up uh, during the time of this recording, uh, which is consciouscopy.co forward slash WS. But you can just go check out um, everything on there. I am on social media, um, sort of, <laughs> or I am, um, but uh, at, at Jen Hoodie, J-E-N-N-H-U-D-Y-E. So I'd love for you to yeah, pop on over there and even send me a DM just saying hello and that you came from the podcast. We'd love to connect there as well. Yeah. Excellent. All right. We'll make sure we include all of that and and we'll include any information about uh, the event on for those that might be watching this on Facebook. So they might be able to get it before the event mm-hmm. occurs, but we, I could talk so long with you, Jennifer, but I know <laughs> that so we're, good. we're, we're a little bit over right now. We are seek go create is our channel. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it means a lot of, a lot of things those words do, but I like to ask his final question, seek go create those three words, which word resonates with you more and why? Mm. create I love the word create Uh, I think every single one of us is creators so why it resonates is yeah we're creating in every single moment every single thought um, and being conscious creators so that we actually are creating what we want uh, versus what we don't want (laughs) Um, and if we just keep following that we're going to continue to build really beautiful lives. Excellent. I was I was sort of expecting you to answer that one, but anyway, very good. So, <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. For mm-hmm. those that have you that have listened in, I know that you've enjoyed this. I'm going to ask another favor, and that is share this, share this, mm-hmm. rate it, let other people know about it, post it on your socials and and other places, just so we can get this message out. I do believe that. The conversation today about vision and knowing who you interact with is foundational to really almost all of our success. So please share this. And thank you for continuing to connect. We are Seek Go Create on all the channels. You can find us there. Continue the conversation. As I mentioned at the beginning, you can find us at SeekGoCreate.com. New episodes every Monday. Join us. We'll have another great guest next week. Until then... Continue being all that you were created to be.